Well, it's good to see you guys again. For those of you who uh, don't know who I am, my name's Emily Berger. I'm the elementary supervisor with Brookwood Kids. So I do see some familiar faces around here. Um, really appreciate you guys that volunteer, and we really need more people, and I will say that every time. <laughs> so if you need a place on Sunday mornings to come and serve, please come find me. I'd love to talk, talk with you about it. Um, so today we're going to be in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Uh, Kevin told me you guys have been going through the whole book of James, which is really cool. There's um, so much stuff in the book of James, no? Like, we go th- I'm sure you guys have gone through every week, and you're like, there's a lot in here. So um, I'm going to do my best with these 12 verses, but these 12 verses are no exception. There's a lot of stuff in here. So we're going to break it down a little bit. Um, so that maybe we can make it make a little bit more sense. <laughs> um, so, I um, in this passage, James is warning us not to be like the world. Um, in the Bible that you guys have available here, it says "drawing close to God" at the top. In mine, it says uh, "warning against worldliness." There's something like um, like that in your Bible too, I'm sure. But uh, we're going to start with verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to read those here in a second. These verses are going to talk about some problems that you may have in your spiritual life. And um, if you're seeing some of these problems in your own life, in your own walk with Jesus, there may be something that you need to kind of reevaluate with your walk with God, some stuff you might have to work out with Jesus. (laughs) Um, So that's where we're going to start. And then verse 6, which is right in the middle, it's the turning point of this passage. It um, is all about grace because, spoiler alert, God gives grace to all of us. No matter how far we've gone, no matter how much we've messed up, God is always, always, always waiting for us to come back. And uh, verses 7 through 12, which is where we'll end, they're going to give us some instructions and guidelines on how to move forward in godliness and not be like the world. Um, So we're going to get started here. If you have your outline, if you can write the word problems at the top, we're going to go over five problems that are in these first five verses. Um, Yeah, so we'll start there. So we're going to read James 4, verses 1 through 5. I'll read it out loud. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? All right, so underneath our uh, problems, we're going to have our first problem, number one, which is arguing. This is in verses one and two that we just read. Um, James said that, well, basically, these people, they were fighting amongst themselves, and he said those, those arguments were coming from the evil desires within themselves. So if, you're ha- if you have a lot of argument in your life, if you are bickering with a sibling, if you're arguing with a parent constantly, if there's like gossip and drama with your friends, 
that is a sign that James is telling us to look out for. That is a sign that maybe there's something not right within your spirit, something not right in your relationship with God. Those fights, the arguments, the drama, the gossip, those are coming from within yourself. That doesn't mean necessarily that in these situations you're the only one at fault, because maybe that means there's something in the other person's walk with God too, but really that means you need to, to examine within yourself what you could do to change that, because you can really only control yourself, right? Those arguments, they come from our desires. In these situations, again, that only person that you control, control is yourself. So you need to make an effort to live at peace with everybody and to make peace with God, too. If you have these constant arguments, the drama, everything in your life, this is a sign that maybe there's a problem in your walk with God. So that's our first one, arguing. Our um, second problem here comes from verse 2, and it's lack of fruit. What I mean by lack of fruit is fruit of the Spirit, which is found in Galatians 5, if you want to look that up. Um, I usually study in the ESV, so in this verse, um, in the ESV, in verse 2, James says, you do not have, so you murder. You do not have because you do not ask. And here in the NLT, it says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So in this instance, James, again, is talking about the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And as believers, we're supposed to have that fruit and show it in our lives, right? Patience, love, kindness, all of those. Um, when in verse 2 at the very beginning, James says, you do not have, so you murder. That's a pretty extreme example, right? We're not just like going around killing people, hopefully. Um, <laughs> truthfully, this means that we don't have the Spirit of God in us, that the gifts that God has given us when we surrender our lives to Him, we need to be walking in, um, in that and in the light and not in the ways of the world and in sin. When you are not, sorry, um, when we don't express these things, the fruit of the Spirit, in a consistent way, when you're not expressing kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that's another sign that maybe something is a little off in your walk with God. So also in verse 2, um, we're talking about number 3, which is prayerlessness, which means that you don't have much of a prayer life. You either don't really pray and talk to God at all, or maybe you just talk to God when you really need something. At the end of verse 2, um, it says you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So let me ask you something just for you to think about. What is the last thing that you prayed for and how recent was it? Was it today and it's because you really needed something or do you just pray because you want to talk to God and you want to talk to him about what's going on in your life? Choosing not to prayer or having a weak life is definitely a sign, a weak prayer life is definitely a sign that something is off in your relationship with God. It, in my opinion, it's a direct insult to God because people all, all across the Old Testament, all across history, they didn't have the same kind of access to God that we have today. When Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose up into heaven and he gave us the Holy Spirit, he gave us the ability to talk to God anywhere, anytime, whenever we want to. And when we don't take advantage of that, I think that that's definitely a sign 
that something may be a little bit off again in your walk with God. Um, if you feel far away from God right now, or if, we, if you come here and you hear people talk about praying and reading your Bible, or you, feel, you hear people talk about um, how their walk with Jesus is going, or if when in your small groups they say, how is your walk with Jesus right now? And you have no idea what to say because you don't really know what that's like, that's definitely something you can talk to one of us or a small group leader about. We can explain that more to you. But I challenge you, if you do have a relationship with God and you're feeling really far from him right now, how's your prayer life? Is your Bible or your Bible app closed most of the time? If you're not hearing from God, it might be because you're not listening. And that's definitely something you need to think about if that's how you're feeling in your walk with God. Um, prayer, reading your Bible, these are vital ways that God communicates with us. And he's given us that gift, so we need to take advantage of that. Um, number four is not experiencing answered prayer, which kind of goes with the prayerlessness. So in this um, verse three, James is kind of insinuating here that we don't hear from God because we don't pray correctly. Now, that can be a little bit confusing, but there can be some things in your life that maybe are a reason why God's not answering your prayers the way that you want him to. Maybe there is sin in your life that you haven't confessed. Maybe there is someone in your life that God has asked you to forgive and you've decided you don't really want to. I've been there. It's not easy. Um... Maybe you don't really have faith that God is there and that he's listening and that he will answer your prayers. All of those are some reasons why you not, may not be hearing an answer. And if you're interested in some of the scripture behind that, I can give that to you later. Um, just come and ask me. But um, if you're not hearing an answer from God, you may need to kind of examine your prayer life. In addition, if you give up praying too early, if you have something big that you're praying for and you pray for it one time, and then you're like, whoop, God didn't answer me today. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit longer of a process here. God is usually teaching us something in that waiting. If you're praying for something for a long, long time, I know my husband and I, we prayed for a baby for a long, long time, and it did not happen as early as I would have liked for it to, but it happened within his timing. There was a reason why the answer was no, and it really wasn't no, it was just wait. Um, so when you pray for something and you don't get it, think about your own life right now. You pray for something and you don't get it. What's your reaction? Do you feel angry? And if you have been through that, think about what is the last thing that you ask God for and why did you ask for it? Was it out of selfish motives? That's the other thing that James talks about here. This might also be because the motives for what you prayed for are not, not right. You prayed for something because it's what I want, not because it's what God wants. That's also another reason why some of those prayers might not be answered. In my life, I had a situation like this when I was in high school, like a million years ago. <laughs> um, I was a sophomore in high school, and I went to a school where not a lot of people, it was in the Midwest, so I wasn't in the South, there were not a whole lot of other Christians around. And I had my youth group friends and my school friends because, well, there weren't really a lot of youth group friends at my school, so I didn't have a ton of Christian friends. But at that time, my walk with God was pretty strong. I was studying the Bible and praying a lot, and I felt so strongly that that school was my mission field. 
And I was like, okay, God, you know, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go. I'm going to tell people about you. I'm going to show them kindness. They're going to notice that my life is different. This is going to be great. I came home from school one day, and my dad was like, yeah, I got a new job in South Carolina, so we're moving in a month. And I was halfway through high school, right after my sophomore year, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is my mission field. But you know, I was 15, and I can't really stay there by myself as much as I thought maybe I could at the time. <laughs> um, and I thought, man, I know my plan for my life, and I prayed, God, please make it to where my family stays here. And obviously, I'm here in South Carolina. That is not what happened. Uh, my family moved a month later, all the way to South Carolina. I started out of school um, with nobody that I knew halfway through high school. It was terrifying. And within a couple of months, I was surrounded by a whole group of people that were in my youth group and at my school. And one month after that, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And for a whole year, I could do almost nothing by myself. And I had all of these Christian friends around me, supporting me, bringing me schoolwork, making sure that I was fine, providing meals for my family. I would not have had that if I was in Missouri. I thought I knew this is what's totally right for me, for my life. I want to stay in this place. And God was like, no, you don't know what's coming, but I do. I'm going to be there for you. And those people made a huge difference in my life at that point. And some of them are still my friends today. So I was praying something because of what I wanted. I was praying, God, please let my family stay here because that's what I wanted, what I thought was the best for me. And that was not the right motive. So my prayer was not getting answered. And I was able to see that later. So if you're not getting what you prayed for right now, there's a reason for that. It's not because God doesn't hear you, because he does. He always hears you. It's because he knows what you need so much better than you do. Our fifth problem that you might see in your um, walk with God that we talk about here in verses four through five is worldliness. Or um, here in this version, it just says, uh, sorry. Mm. Oh, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's pretty powerful. If you want to be friends with the world, you're going to be an enemy of God. You can't have both. So when I say don't be like the world, I'm not saying that you or your generation or anything is bad or horrible, but if we're found by Jesus, we really should be acting like it. In these next verses, James is warning us not to be like the world around us. And if we look just like our friends and family that don't know Jesus, there's probably something wrong there. There are a lot of people out there that'll tell you that everything with our generation and our culture is bad and horrible, but I really don't believe that. James wrote this 2,000 years ago, and obviously it was a problem then too. We definitely don't need to be like the world, but I think sometimes this can get misconstrued. Um, these problems have been around for a really long time. So I'm sure that you know people at your school or at your work who don't know God. Your desire should, look should be to look different than them because you have hope in Jesus. 
they don't have hope in Jesus. They're still lost. But if you're found, you should look and act like you're found. So how we dress, what media we consume, what, are we believing what the world says or are we believing what God says? All of these things really matter when we're talking about being like the world or being like God. Your lost friends and family members, they're going to look lost because they are. So you can have compassion for that. But if you know Jesus, you're found and you have hope. So you should look like it. So um, we've got our five problems here that can show up if we're not walking in step with God. But next, I want you to write in your outline, grace. This is um, from verse 6. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. God gives us grace. The difference between our walk with God, with Christianity, and with other religions is that all of this, these problems that we may have with our spiritual lives, this is not where it ends. Because God has grace for us. Up until this point, this passage is a little depressing. Because <laughs> all, all that I heard, I was like, okay, well, all this is stuff that I'm doing wrong. This is not fun. But that's not, what it, that's not how it ends. Nobody likes to hear everything that they're doing wrong. Um, we don't have to stay in this place. We don't have to stay in this place of the problems, of no fruit in our lives, of prayerlessness. God gives grace. With Jesus, this is not where it ends. Um, because of him, we get to move forward into a new life with him that has fruit and that has prayer and that strong relationship with him. Our next um, little section is going to be on verses 7 through 12, which I'll read here in just a second. Um, We're going to talk about next steps. So if you do see some of these problems within your own life, and you know that you have the grace that God has given you to cover all of this and cover your mistakes, which you do if if you know Jesus, then God is gracious enough to give us the next steps so that we can continue to follow him and so that we know what to do next. Um. So, yeah, so next on your outline, write next steps, and we're going to read verses 7 through 12. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Okay, Um, so the next steps, our first one is submit to God. Is there anything in your life right now that you know that you need to let go of? A relationship that isn't leading you to God maybe? A friendship that you need to look at again? 
a habit that you need to break? Do you need to stop gossiping to come clean to your parents about something? To confess a lie that you've been telling? Anything like that? This is a personal experience between you and God. Submitting your life to God is also is, um, getting rid of that sin, confessing that, and submitting your life to him. The second thing is resist the devil. If you're experiencing temptation in your life right now, you're not alone. It's something we have all been through. The enemy makes sin look very attractive. Feeling that pull towards sin is very normal. It takes the power of God in us to fight against that. Sin might look pretty, but it's never worth it, ever. Not in the long run, at least. It might feel like it at first, but in the long run, it's definitely not worth it. You can resist temptation and resist the enemy by spending time in the word, by having a solid prayer life, all of those things that we talked about before, making sure that you, you are having the fruit of the Spirit and that you are praying to God and that you do have the right motives, that you don't look like the world. Um, a lot of that is how you can resist temptation. You can also ask your close godly friends or your small group leaders for accountability in any of the areas where you struggle. Our third uh, next step is to come to God. That comes from verse 8. I love this verse. Um, Come close to God and God will come close to you. God is always right there waiting for you. If you feel like he's far away, he's not. We are always the ones that drift away from God, always. If you feel dry or disconnected from God, he's there. We just need to go back to those basics of spiritual discipline. And even at first, if you go back to praying and reading your Bible, um, and it's hard and you don't feel anything right away, it's not about what you feel. It's about your relationship with God. And some of that the feelings of closeness, they come with a little bit more time. Uh, Fourth, you need to make sure that you're taking your sin seriously. Sin breaks God's heart, and I know that we know that, you know, especially if you've been here in church for a long time. But if we are not taking our own sins seriously, that is not a good thing. That doesn't mean that you need to feel shame, but we need to take our sins and what we do wrong seriously because God does, because God takes it seriously. If there's sin in your life, that's a time that you may need to get some accountability so that you can have the resources to fight against that. And lastly, number five is humble yourself. Um, The opposite of humility is pride. So if you struggle with knowing exactly what that means when it says to humble yourself before God, um, don't be proud when you approach God Know that he is so much greater than we are. He chooses to love us. Um, And you are a love child of God, but we also mess up and we don't deserve him. Uh, So just remember that um, when you're humbling yourself before God, that we don't deserve the grace that he gives, but he still gives grace because he's a good, good God. Um. Yeah, so those are our five next steps based on um, the scriptures here. And um, I just want you guys to remember so much about God's grace. Um, This is not just a message about everything that we're doing wrong today. Um, That's not it at all. But God gives us the grace to tell us, this is what you're doing wrong. 
Now step back. It's okay. I still love you. I sent my son to die for you. And here's what you're going to do next. This is where we're going to go from here. I love that God does that for us. Um, So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to dismiss to our small groups. Okay? God, I thank you for your wonderful grace. I thank you that you have given us all that we need. And I pray for anybody that does feel far from you today, that you will help them to know that you are there with open arms waiting. That if we draw close to you, you are already there and you'll draw close to us as well. I pray as we go into small groups that you will bless our discussion. I thank you again for um, bringing us all here together tonight. In your name, amen.